This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Criticism was mentioned in the in the mirror. And let me say that, that these are questions. These are questions that were brought forth to us by the people in our ministry. In our ministry. So these are real life questions, not anything that we've made up or that we've created. Okay? Criticism was mentioned in marriage. What if criticism is how you were parented and it's ingrained or difficult to catch? How can you heal from that? As you see it rear its ugly head in your marriage. So first I'm going to st- we're going to start off with the definition of marriage. I think that's, that's going to be key. The definition of marriage. Marriage is a divine institution created by God. Whereby two rational free moral agents who are born again choose to enter into covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. Hold on to every word in that definition. An imperfect person. You choose to enter into a covenant, a lifetime covenant, with another imperfect person. And so I'm just going to start us off with what was said around criticism. Okay, what what was talked about. So one thing that we talked about coming out of Matthew uh, chapter 7 was we talked about uh, judging. Okay, and I think, believe this is where this kind of, this comment came, came in to play. Um, we talked about that. And we talked about um, the person when you, when you are, are, observing someone when you're judging someone when you're when you are 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 examining someone and then you become overly critical and remember we said that it's important to understand that um in our observing in our judging um we we need to be sure that we are doing it the way that God intends and he's not talking about we're not talking about judging we're not talking about condemning anyone to hell we're not talking about that we're talking about observing and examining someone and when you examine someone we're called to do that but there's a way to do it God was trying to teach us how to do that we want to be sure that we are not um, overly Examine that we're not too critical. If we're not too hard on people, we need to we need to examine them the way that we want to be examined, out of the eyes that we want to be examined. If we want compassion, we want love, we want understanding, we want tenderness. Well, we have if that's what we want, that's what we have to give as well. So that's one key that I wanted to to bring out about that. And so we're going to um, just kind of pass it over and, and we'll just have this discussion if you will okay um so as minister stinson was talking about this question was saying um what if criticism is how you were raised and it's ingrained and difficult to catch how do you heal from it as you see it rears ugly head in your marriage so when you think about that as minister stinson just said there's a way to do things there's a way sometimes you may have to bring up something that is unpleasant or that you don't like and maybe it's it's something that has to be taken care of but there's a way to do it but if criticism 
is the way you were parented and it's ingrained in you. That means that it's embedded in you. It has roots in you. And what I mean roots, it's in there. It is, it is in there. It's integrated in your life. And it's what you're used to. So when you're used to something, that's what you always go back to. That's, that's like the thing, even when you're trying to do something different, when it gets hard, you go back to what you know. So if, the, if that's the way you were parented, then that's kind of the way here, uh, criticism is. And the thing about it is, and, and the question is that it's not easy to recognize, but once you recognize it, now that you've recognized it, you can do something about it. So what you have to do is you have to take out that's what, what's been put in, the wrong thing that's been put in, the wrong way to handle these things, to bring things up and criticizing people and being nitpicky and fault-finding all the time. You have to take that out, and you have to keep it out. And the way that you take it out and keep it out is you put in the Word of God, and you maintain that there. So what we call that is we call that renewing our mind. So sometimes we may be able to, in this, in this situation we're talking about criticism, being hypercritical or nitpicking, fault-finding, always having something to say and just kind of jumping back. That's kind of the way I took it in this question. It may not be, um, but that's kind of what I was seeing. Um, when you have that, you may be able to say, oh, I don't, I don't need to do that. So you may be able to every once in a while or even sometimes you know respond not out of criticism but until you change your mind until you change your mind about that you're going to always go back to that so what you have to do is you have to renew your mind you have to put in what you want if you don't want the fruit of criticism to come forth you've got to put something else in so let's go over to um, 2nd Corinthians we're just going to read this real quick 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 Verses 3 through 5. We're going to talk about renewing our mind. So Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Um, this is going to take work. So I like that this scripture says warfare. When you think of warfare, you don't think of sitting down on the couch eating bonbons. You're going to have to put in some work. Now, the work that you do, the effort that you're, gonna, you're putting forth, you're going to have the strength of God. His grace is with you to do that work. So what you're going to have to do, you have to pull down those thoughts that are embedded in you as a child. That's going to be difficult because it's been with you your whole life. And what you're going to have to do, you have to replace it with the word of God. Now, another thing is if this is, this is the way you were parented, there, and, and you see now and probably throughout your life, you probably saw some things that were a little hurtful. If you've got any resentment or if you've got any bitterness towards your parents or whoever was involved in this, you've got to let that go. Because guess what? You're not going to be able to replace those thoughts with God's thoughts holding on to that resentment and that bitterness. So you're going to have to forgive. you have to cancel the debt and then go in and destroy those ideas and those thoughts that you have in your mind that, th- that allow you to think that you can criticize people like that, being nitpicky, being overly critical. So, so you're going to have to destroy those thoughts, and then you have to figure out, remember I said this is work. This is the inner work. This is the unseen work. You're going to have to go in and say, why is it that I think I can be critical? When, it, when is it that criticism comes out? Is it when somebody does something I don't like? When somebody does something that I would do differently, maybe it comes when you feel insecure about something in your life. So to to not feel that insecurity, you criticize somebody else to get over those feelings. 
whatever it is, you're going to have to go in there. This is work. And you're going to have to take that, and you have to take that, and then you have to bring in the Word of God. It's not just enough to examine it and say, this is the problem. Now we've got to bring in the Word of God, because that's what's going to be your solution. So, so, so what exactly does that mean? Turn over to um, Psalms 119. So let's, let's make it practical. Let's, let's break, break it down. So we want to renew our mind. We want to bring in the Word of God to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to have to make the Word of God, I think what I put in my notes here is you're going to have to make the Word of God convenient to access in your life, readily available. I thought of, you know, like when someone is trying to eat healthy and they haven't been eating healthy. In their home, they may have unhealthy snacks. They've got cookies. They've got cupcakes. They've got fried chips and all these different things. And when they get hungry and they want a snack, they go and grab that. Now, when they decide to eat healthy, if they really want to do it, what they're going to do is they're going to get rid of all of those bad snacks, and they're going to put in the healthy snacks. So it's going to be harder to get that unhealthy food. So that's the same way you're going to have to do with these the thoughts, the hypocritical or the, the hypercritical thoughts that you have in your mind. What you're going to have to do is you're going to push those out and bring in the Word of God. So let's look over in Psalms 119, and we're going to look at verses um, 11 through 16. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes, and I will not forget thy word. So, all the time. Readily available, convenient, the Word. You're going to have to read the Word. You're going to have to be in service. You, you may have to write the Word down. You're going to have to meditate on. That means think on the Word. It's going to have to be there so when those hypocritical thoughts come in, it's inconvenient for them because they can't live because they're not thoughts like God would put in your head. So that means you're going to make God's Word convenient. You're going to make criticism inconvenient. So you're going to have to monitor your thoughts. That means, once again, this is work. It's not like just I'm just going to think about it one day and do it, and then everything's going to go smoothly. No, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to monitor your thoughts. You're going to have to monitor your thoughts about your spouse, about other people as well, because if you're critical, you're hypercritical and nitpicky in one area, you're probably nitpicky in a lot of areas, and it's going to flow all over. So you're going to have to think. When you have that thought, oh, I'm about to, be, I'm about to nitpick, I'm about to find fault with these people, you've got to say, why am I thinking that? Is that something real or is that something where I'm just nitpicking? And then you're going to have to examine it and you have to analyze it and then you're going to have to make it obedient to the Word of God. And then instead of keeping that thought, you're going to say, no, that's not, that's not who I am. That's not who God made me. This is who God made me. I, 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 am, I love because God loved me. God loved me through my faults, so I'm going to love them through their faults. I'm not going to look at those things. I'm going to think on what's lovely of what's good and, and, and what is peaceful. And then if there is something that truly needs to be addressed, you, you address it, but you address it in the right time and in the right manner. You just don't jump all over it and, and make things worse. And then keep in mind the goal of your marriage, the goal of your family. Criticism is not going to further the purpose and the goal of your marriage. I think when Minister Stenson was, was uh, teaching on this, she went to over in Galatians 5, and, she, and then the scripture was talking about biting and devouring. And we see that that just rips up the relationship. It, breaks, it brings the other person down. It brings the person doing it down. So doing that is not going to further your relationship. So before you decide to criticize, be slow to speak. 
You know, think about that. Wait a minute. What is this actually doing? I can say this, and this thing is really not that big of a deal, but when I say it, it's going to make it a bigger deal, and it's going to actually not get me where I want to, not where our family wants to. But so, so those are the things you need to keep in mind. You need to renew your mind. Make the Word of God convenient. Keep it before your eyes. Replace what you've been taught that is not right to do with what is right to do, and continue to do that and continue to do that, and that will help with that. Amen. Um, one thing I do want to say is that I do appreciate uh, this question um, because even as was stated in the definition of marriage is that you're two imperfect people. Now, you married an imperfect person and you yourself are an imperfect person. Now, I do believe that we would be a better church if most people would ask questions like this instead of asking, what can uh, my spouse do to get better? Recognizing that, you know, I'm an imperfect person, and so I recognize that, hey, maybe I'm overly critical, and maybe I'm criticizing too much. I'm hearing the Word of God, and I'm examining myself. I'm judging myself. And that's great. And you have to understand, in, in the midst of marriage, um, even though that you two have become one, uh, you can't control what the other person does. Uh, you can only control what you do. And I want to make sure you understand this right now. I don't know who you are married to. Uh, whether they're a believer, not a believer, whether they are a believer, not walking upright, or maybe a believer walking all the way, whatever the case might be, uh, you are, in your obedience, you give room for God uh, to bring peace into your marriage. And so I, I do respect that and I do understand that. And, and don't feel bad. We all are imperfect. We all have work to do. We all have uh, things that we can do better. <clears throat> So, with that said, again, I want to applaud that. I do appreciate that you asked uh, such a question. And I do also believe that it's always good uh, that when we are truthful about our faults and we bring those faults to God, I believe it provides all the help we need. I believe that the grace is there. I believe that's the benefit of us being born again because God is on our side. And when we come to him with our weaknesses, it's all good. I want to turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, if we can. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I know Minister Castile just went there, but I'd like to uh, go over that again. It says, uh, let's start at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, the first thing I want to make sure that you understand is that, that um, we've said this and it's been mentioned before, but the battleground is the mind. Okay, that, that's where the enemy wants to make inroads on you. And, you know, you hear the question, you understand that, hey, I was parented this way. Um, I hear the phrase, it's ingrained in me. And then I recognize, hey, you know, this is... The enemy is a liar and he wants to get in your mind, right? I think it's a good thing that you recognize, hey, this is not something that is helping my marriage. I need to do something about this. But you also have to recognize that the enemy is still trying to play tricks in your mind. He wants to play tricks in your mind. And when it says in verse 5, casting down imaginations, remember, imaginations, those include reasonings. Those include justifications. Uh, imaginations are popular uh, among people who speak churchology. Can I say it that way? Uh, that's where you hear the term generational curses. 
the enemy has gotten in their mind thinking that, hey, I got to be this way because mama was this way and grandmama was this way, daddy was this way, granddaddy was this way. Those imaginations, okay? Because in all honesty, we make this confession when we come into the church. I came to change. <laughs> the devil can't stop me. You know, that, that's trying to cast down those imaginations. And so sometimes in our imagination and our reason, when the enemy tries to get in there, he says, hey, you're parented this way. This is who you are. You know, it, so I want to make sure you understand he's a liar. The truth is not in him. He's trying to tell you that you can't, but you can, especially if God is on your side. So there's no doubt about that. So, so cast that down. Don't think that, hey, because I was... Now, I, I want you to understand this as well. If you were raised that way, just like Mr. Castile said, uh, what's going to happen is that you're going to fall back to that. Right? And one of the reasons you're going to fall back to that is if you don't put anything else in, you don't have anything else to go to. And so that just goes right along with, hey, you're going to have to make the Word of God a priority. You're going to have to overcome those thoughts, right? And you have to uh, uh, come up with something to put those things into obedience, right? So make sure that you understand that I don't care if you were parented that way, if that's what you know, if that's uh, what you have in your past, you're not dictated to be who you have been because you, are now have, you now have Christ in your life. We thank God for that. All right, now, uh, and again, remember the enemies, he just wants to, you to believe a lot. But I want you to understand that change is possible. It just takes time. Okay, it just takes time. When you use the word parented that way, it's ingrained. You know that if it's deep down in there, it's going to take a little bit of effort to get it out. But always remember, you know, one of the principles we talked about was sow and reap. You put in the work today for a return, a harvest to come. But you've got to trust God. It's His principle. He put it into place. He put it in the earth. It does work. But the thing about it is that you don't plant today and get a harvest tomorrow. So you've got to trust God all the way. Here are the things that you do have to do. You do have to, as it's been mentioned before, you have to think before you speak. You know, when the Bible says that uh, be uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, uh, God understands that uh, we can do some damage when we speak without thinking okay so we have to be slow to speak we also have to judge our thoughts and and second um, Corinthians 10 and 5 and it says casting out imaginations uh, uh, see that last part and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ you got to challenge every thought that comes through you know this is going to take some time to develop to this place and then you have to control your tongue I like how James puts it and he gives us the example of the horse a horse is a big big beast strong beast so you know what we do to control that horse we control his mouth and, and so you've got to put these and all these things when, when you put all these things in place yeah, when, when you uh, when you think before you speak when you uh, judge the thoughts when you control your tongue all you're doing is obeying the word of God you're submitting remember this this, this is holding up the rod <laughs> no it might seem unorthodox but when you hold up the rod trust me the battle is going to be yours. Just trust God. So when you do these, these are all biblical principles. And while you do this, uh, again, I got the impression that this was from uh, a woman. Did you get that? No, okay, so okay, so okay, so I'll go from this. So if you're a wife, what you have to do is you have to put on a meek and quiet spirit while you do it, and you still have to honor your husband. Okay, all these things. Are, this is just you giving place in your obedience to God. 
That's all you're doing. It's, it sounds real simple. And while you do this, just as has been mentioned, there's going to have to be a renewing of the mind that takes place. But uh, I also want to draw your attention to another scripture, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me have you see verse... Let's first look at verse 29. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So you hear the voice of God. You hear the word of God. And he's telling you, hey, what's coming out your mouth? And this is one of the reasons why we start to judge ourselves. Now, I will say this. Sometimes we do have to judge what we're being critical about because maybe some of those criticisms are needed. Maybe they're necessary. But at other times you recognize, hey, I'm going overboard. Well, you see this and you're like, you know what? Uh, it's not good to have corrupt communication come out of me when it comes to concerns of my spouse and my own marriage. You're tearing your own marriage down. So you see this and you might have some conviction behind this. But what I see is verse 28 before. <laughs> so you go back to verse 28. Verse 28 speaks to me. It says, Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may give to him that needeth. Now I find it interesting verse 28 is right before verse 29. It seems like they're not related subjects. But the thing that gets me is verse 28. The first part, let him that stole steal no more. Four letters. S-T-O-P. Stop. While your mind is not renewed, you still can control your tongue. So you need to stop the criticism immediately. Now, with that, I want to make sure we understand when you say stop the criticism, uh, I believe this was actually actually in, in something that you taught. You need to stop talking to other people. You need to stop sharing those criticisms about your spouse with other people. That includes that. I don't care if it's your mama. I don't, especially not your children. I don't care if it's some close church friend that you, you need to just keep your mouth shut as pertains to that. You can do it. You know you do it when you go to work and you don't like what they tell you. So it's very possible. I think you've shown the ability to control your tongue. And so while you put all these things in place, you need to go ahead and stop those things that you recognize. And I'll even say it this way. You may question, is that right or not? Well, then don't say it. Okay, don't say it. Now, I do have a recommendation to you, though. Okay? Uh, so, first thing, stop. But the other recommendation I want to give you is that you need to approach your spouse about designating time. Um, putting aside specific time. You can call it a date, whatever it is. But what you're going to do is you're going to get a chance, the both of you, to speak to one another uninterrupted. So, here's, here's what it is. So, here you stop. You have criticism still in your mind. Your, your mind may not be totally renewed, but you have these thoughts. You know, I want to say something. Don't say it. Let's store it up. Let's designate a time. And I would recommend doing this on a regular basis. Again, you have to approach your spouse about it because you're in it with another individual. Uh, approach them and say, hey, you know what? Here's what I like to do. I, I recognize some some things that I need to work on and some things I want to share with you. I want to get some special time with you and I want to sit down. I want to share some things with you and, and lay down the groundwork. So when, I, when, I, when we talk, you don't get a chance to interrupt me. When you talk, I will not interrupt you. And you get a chance, and again, put a, together an agenda. But this is my recommendation. The agenda would be, first of all, saying, um, how do you want to say this? Your struggles. You share with one another your struggles. 
You know what happens when you share with one another your struggles? You become accountable one to another. And you actually grow in intimacy. And there's no use in hiding what you're struggling with with a person that you're made a lifetime commitment to. Okay, so, so you're going to share with each other your struggles, right? What am I struggling with, right? And you're not going to sit there and talk about, I believe you're struggling. No, you're going to talk about your struggles, okay? And, and then on top of that, you're going, to, you're going to talk about what you don't like in your relationship. This is where you get a chance to bring out your criticisms, right? And again, when you talk, though the spouse can't say anything, but at the same time, you're going to make sure that you understand that the spouse gets a chance to speak too, and you can't interrupt them. And then you're not just going to leave it about my struggles and what I don't like. You're also going to talk about what you do like in your relationship. You know, all these three things. Now, you can add other stuff, other things to it. But when, these, when it's your time to speak, you get a chance to speak. The spouse won't say anything. When it's the spouse's time to speak, they'll speak. You want to get a chance to say anything. And here's what's going to happen. I do believe this is what's going to happen. When you store up those criticisms that you had a chance to say something about but didn't, I believe your list will shrink by the time you get to that meeting. Because some things you recognize, you know what, that was silly. You know, that was kind of petty. It's really not that critical. And I woke up the next morning, I was fine. It, 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 actually, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. When you think about this, look at verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, have a plan to work things out. And so that, that's my recommendation. Have a plan to work these things out. Now, again, you have to approach your spouse about it. And your spouse has to agree to it. And I believe that your spouse probably will, whether they're born again or not, agree to something like this rather than counseling. I believe you need to do something like this before you even go to counseling, that you get a chance to share with one another. I believe that this, these things would be precious. Now, if your spouse doesn't agree to do, to, uh, to do something like this, well then, again, you can't make it happen. You can't force their hand. What you can do is you can obey. All the things we've already talked about, you still have to have that meek and that quiet spirit. That means, when I say meek and quiet spirit, it's not just what comes out of your mouth. It is the motions you make. It is the rolling of the eyes. It is the is even when you say, it's even how you say yes, uh, okay. All those things have to be in the... Again, remember, now you are still representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if your spouse can't be one with your, with your word... Well, then put on that meek and that quiet spirit. Let them see Christ working in that way. Again, this is holding up the rod. Like, oh, I don't think that he needs to hear something. Hold up that rod. Hold up that rod. Because <laughs> when you let it down, then something, something bad is going to happen, right? You will not have victory. There's no chance of victory unless you submit and obey the word of God for you. Because remember, you cannot control your spouse. You can control you. And if you do not obey God... What can God do? What difference can God make? But that, that's what I wanted to share with you about my thoughts on that question. Um, just uh, to, to kind of follow up what Minister Martin was talking about, it, it's a process. So in this time, this process is going forth, and you're, you're, you're obeying, but you have got to, because it's the mind. The enemy's going to plant things in. You're going to get tired. You're going to be like, I want it to change overnight. What do you do during that time? You continue to seek God. You continue to thank him that he's given you the wisdom on what to do. You don't, you, don't, you don't stay in your emotions. You get out of your emotions and just continue to keep your eyes on what God has told you to do. It will be different because it's not what you're used to doing. But that's the thing. You've got to do something different to get the change. So 
step back from all those things that you're used to doing and let God let God lead you. I think Minister Simpson, you said in your teaching, live day by day, minute by minute, by the uh, power of God and under his influence. And that's what that is. And, you know, you're like, well, how can I be under the influence of God? Just communicate with him. Even in your mind, just say, thank you, God. I may not understand everything, but I know you're working out things for my good when I'm obeying you. So keep those things in your mind. Keep them readily available so you can always go to them when, when, when you get impatient or when things don't look the way that you think they should look or it's going a different way. Just, just, just go back to God and say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I just I just wanted to to add on to that um, the minute by minute the it's the grace of God we were talking about the grace of God and as you put forth the effort to do what God is calling you to do or says to do based on the word that you've heard He's going to provide the grace to do it but you have to put forth the effort to as you put forth the effort He will provide the grace remember. The, the summation of grace that he gives us is his power, his ability to do in us and through us. And as he's doing it, remember, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So he is going to remind you. He's going to say, mm, don't say that. He's going to, he's going to, he, all of the, he's going to prompt you what to do and what not to do. But you have to be also sensitive enough to the spirit. That's why it's important to think before you speak. That's why it's important to pause and give that give the, the Holy Spirit that that time that he needs to deal with you right then and there. These are practical practical things. All of these things are practical things. And again, just like Minister Martin said, I can appreciate when a person you're in a good place when you can can see when you can see, when you can examine, and you know that it's a problem, and then you put forth the effort to try to get the answer, you put in the question, on how do I do this practically? What do I do? Now, you, I don't know what you were expecting to hear, but it's still all about what we've all we've been teaching all this time. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. It's putting forth the effort to do. And one thing that I wanted to, to point out uh, as we, Minister Martin went to Ephesians chapter 4, even if you go up, I love the word of God because, you again, you can apply it in, in just different situations, whatever you need it for, right? So even if you go up a few verses to, to in Ephesians chapter 4 to verse 20, it says, But ye have not so learned, not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him. So you have been taught by him. You've been taught by him. You've been taught by him. You're still being taught by him. It says that if you have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off the con- off concerning the former conversation of the old man. That form of this same thing that, they, that we've all been saying, that we've been saying. That you have to put it off. Stop. You got to stop when it, when you hear it come up when you when you sense it come up when it come, when it become when it's just a thought when it's just a thought you got to stop that's putting off the old man and the old conversation I'm not going to do that I used to do that I did that I did that last week I did that last night but I'm not going to do it right now I'm going to stop right now and so then, then it says, uh, which is corrupt. See, that old conversation, that's corrupt. It's corrupt. Don't you know, a wise woman 
builds her house. But a foolish woman tears it down. She can tear it down with her hands. She can tear it down with her mouth. She can tear it down with her actions. You can tear it down with your words. Understand this. And again, I, see, I, I, I believe that you see it because you put the question in. But this is what we, we need to understand for those who, who may be thinking it and then ask the question. Right? You're, still, you're in that same situation. And I know the spirit of the living God is, is ministering to you right now if you are. But one thing that we have to remember is that the purpose... Just like Sister Castillo said, you have to remember the purpose of your marriage. And if you are tearing down your husband with criticism, you are tearing down your home. He cannot be, he cannot get to where, where he needs to be with God working with him. He cannot do that with a constant on this end. So he, he got the, God could be working with him on one side and with this negativity on the other side. And guess what? Guess what? That negative tongue, because you're with him all day, every day. You live with him. You sleep with him. Because that's, that's the most, whatever is the, is, you think on the longest will become the strongest in your life. If I'm constantly hearing that, constantly hearing that, think about that. Think about you. Think about you. If you're constantly hearing negativity, hearing negativity, hearing negativity, and that's the most prominent, then that's what you're going to fall into. That's what you're going to follow. And so then it says in verse um, 25, oh no, uh, 20, 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, is what we've been saying, with the word. Sometimes you have to put the word up. If you got to, just like Minister Castillo said, to, you have to keep it before your eyes at all times. And whatever that, if that means you, you, if you're always on your phone, you maybe need to put a note on your phone. If it's first thing you do in the morning when you look in the mirror, put it on your mirror. Whatever you need, if you need to put it on your dashboard, whatever, wherever you need to see it, to keep it before your eyes. Keep it before you. I need to guard my tongue. I need to keep, I need to bridle my tongue. And then it says, uh, where, uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. This is the, the word. Continue with that word. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And again, I believe you're striving for it. I believe you're striving for true holiness and righteousness. Again, because you wouldn't have put that question in. Wherefore, putting away. So we got lying and all that. And then he gets down. Again, to where verse 27, neither give place. So don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. And that's important. That is important. And so you've heard all of this. You've heard it all. You've heard it all. And you need to take into account what is being said, what has been said take that into account can I add just one more thing because I want to say that because you know I got the impression that it was a female but you know there are male critics that are out there there are, there are husband critics that are out there and for I want to make sure that you understand the advice is the same stop you know you recognize that uh, your behavior is not uh, uh, building up your because Again, you're supposed to be, able to be building up your wife. So you've recognized that what's coming out of your mouth and the criticisms are not building her up. But well, again, that's a good place to be, recognizing it, but that's not good enough. Oh, I recognize I need to work on but I never work on them. The first thing you need, to do, you need to do is stop. And you still have responsibility to fulfill 
the word of God as a husband, as it relates to his wife. You still got to love your wife. You still got to lay your life down for your wife. And I believe this. I believe that a man who is the first to do something like this, I believe the change is powerful. I really do. I believe the change is powerful. So I don't want you to get the impression that, oh, what if, what if it's a male? No, no. The advice is the same. I, that's just the impression I got from the question. But it could be a, the wife. It could be the husband. Either one, you still have to trust God in this situation. And how do I show that I trust God? I put on what he tells me to put on. I put off what he tells me to put off. Uh, even though I might want to say something, hey, I'm not going to say In fact, in all honesty, what I'm going to do is, uh, first, when I recognize that it's not becoming, I'm going to fill myself up. You know what? If nothing else, I'm going to find those things that I'm, I'm going to compliment my wife on. I'm going to encourage her on. I'm going to strengthen her. And I'm going to find the Word of God and say, you know what the Word of God says about you? You, sh- you sure are that. You know, you are that virtuous woman. I thank God for you. You make a difference in my life. And and if nothing else, you know, if you can't get to that point, at least stop. (laughs) Okay? And then, uh, trust me, as time goes on, again, you just have to trust God. You have to allow the Word of God to take place. You have to give give ear to the Word of God. You have to allow the Word of God to change you. And the change will be, again, so and reap. Mm -hmm. We like juicy fruit. <laughs> but there had to be sowing before we get to the juiciness of the fruit. Again, trust God in that. All right. Well, this is going to include our uh, family life class for this morning. But before we end, and again, I hope you've enjoyed this this format. And I, most of all, I hope that you have gotten a word, that you've gotten something that you can hold on to, that you can put in practice. Not just hold on to it, but put it into practice so that you can see the grace and the word of God working in your life. And before we end, we're going to turn it over to Minister Martin, and he's going to close us out in prayer. Let's bow our heads. God, we come to you because you are God, and you are our God. And we do desire to show forth your glory. We want to do it in an individual basis, and we want to do it in the midst of our marriages. I thank you for the question that was brought up. I pray that the ears were attentive to hear your voice, even give answer and instruction and direction to those who asked such questions, or the individual who asked this in particular question. And we ask for your continued grace to provide to this ministry that we may address, according to your will, these questions that we have before us. And this we will do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.